Today, we're excited to start a new series. I know the table was short and it was fun, but we're going to start a new series that we're really, really pumped about as well. You'll see it pop up on your screen in just a moment. Um, The series is called Dwell, and what we're going to be doing is looking at stories of the Advent. What is the Advent? The Advent is a, a time period within the Christian calendar when we celebrate the anticipation of a coming king. Okay, and it's a four week period leading up to Christmas. All right, we started just, uh, I think it was the four, when was it? I think a few days ago at this point, probably about, about four or five days ago, leading up to Christmas. All right, and a lot of times you probably remember this growing up. How many of you guys had those little advent calendars in your home? Did your parents use those? Okay, and it's funny because I did not. Um, my parents hated us, right? They didn't celebrate anything. I'm kidding. Um, but you remember. <laughs> What are we celebrating today? You get to eat food at the table, boy. You don't get advent calendars, you know. Um, But you remember that. Some of them you may remember that were really a a spiritual thing in your home. Maybe some families did a great job with really emphasizing opening up each door and celebrating an an aspect of advent, looking forward to the, the coming Savior Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. But for some, even the one that we have in our house is a Christmas tree. A lot of times we, we make that revolve around Christmas as in the other side of it, right? Versus the correct side of celebration, that of Jesus, our coming king. And what I want us to do is kind of get some stories from Advent. Because the thing is, there's so many people that spoke about this coming king in so many different ways. From Old Testament prophecies, okay, to New, New Testament interactions, Last year, we shared with you one of those stories that I loved, and I want to share with you again. Um, I don't know if you remember it by chance, talking about having this understanding of great expectation. We talked about, if you remember, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Does anybody remember that by chance? Anybody remember that story? Love this story because it's one of those stories that don't seem like they necessarily fit in per se, But it's one of those stories that are on the periphery that helps us really get an understanding of what God was doing in all ways to make this Advent, this coming Savior, make sense. So we're going to look at this story today. And I want want you to think with me. You know, when you think about life, you have seasons, you have time periods that we live in and we go through. For some, that's discouraging when you think about a season because you know that you're in that tough season right now. You're just like, is this season ever going to, is this time ever going to end? But also the beauty, and we have this opportunity here in Morgantown. We get to experience it for the most part. Um, we get to experience four seasons, right? We get to experience change. We get to watch trees bloom with life in the spring. And then we get to watch those just leaves change color, beautiful colors, and fall off, and then we see the structure of those trees that, that support all of that life throughout the summer and spring months. You know, we, we get this opportunity to understand that, that we have seasons, we have time periods that are definitive in life. And what's great about this is we are in one of those now when we have a time of expectation. We have a time of opportunity to get excited about Jesus coming again. 
Now, again, I told you earlier that we, we have reason to celebrate because we know we have this hope at the end of it all and we win. But with this time right now, we're just looking at how it all began and some of the key stories that surround it. Does that sound good? Are you with me? Are you guys good and awake? You can get more coffee at the end. And even if you have to, you can get it in between. We love you that much. All right. And we can tell how much we love you because when we turn the real lights on in here, it looks like a minefield. There's like coffee there, coffee there, coffee there. But you know what? We're still drinking some coffee. All right. Are you guys with me? Is that good? There's only like three of you. We'll just stop it then. Okay. I'm kidding. So you get this background, this understanding with Zachariah and Elizabeth. These people were very exciting. I love to read about them because, again, they're not really these super main characters that you think about a lot of times when you think about the Gospels, when you think about even the Advent story. When you look at these guys, he was a Jewish priest that God used to set into motion one of the greatest plans of redemption known to God and man, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. They were married and fellow descendants of Aaron, both being from a priestly family. They were parents to John the Baptist, one of the original hipsters. Believe it or not, did you know that? Did you? You did. Okay, I'm kidding. That was the guy that would just not like to shower much and just hang out in the desert. And we always right. okay? This was that guy. Parents lived in Judea and both were credited with having lived truly blameless, righteous lives before God. But they were childless after years of trying. And this was something that marked their lives. This was something that marked Elizabeth's life. When you did not bear children, something wasn't right. And especially in a society of that time, when you didn't bear children, something wasn't right. Now, we know now that that's not all true, okay? We know now that that doesn't have a stigma like it did then, but you got to think about in their day and age, not having children was a big deal, all right? Luke 1, 5 through 17, we're going to read the beginning of the story. And what's really cool about this story is it takes place throughout the first chapter of Luke. And um, what we're going to do is read the beginning of the story. And we could not read this whole chapter. We wouldn't have enough time in, in this moment together. But what it does is it starts the dialogue. And then we're going to have some observations that played out after the dialogue that we get to glean from and grow from. Does that sound good? All right. Tune in with me. You'll see on your screen and I'll read aloud. Luke 1, 5 through 17. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. I don't know about you guys, but if I saw an angel, I would probably feel the same way. Okay? Gripped with fear. Okay? But the angel said to him, and I love this response, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of parents to, to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's some deep stuff. That is some deep stuff. Imagine this guy, Zachariah. Imagine what him and Elizabeth felt like as a married couple, not able to conceive, getting old in their years, thinking that all hope, all excitement, all expectation has been dashed. We're way too old for anything good to happen right now. I'm just going to continue with my life. Do, do you see this picture of what they're doing here? You see that he's going into the temple because the lot was cast and he's the one that got the, the straw that day to go in and, and light the incense and to do the prayer thing and everybody outside is doing their thing too. And, and it's a normal day, but yet he still prays. He still believes, right? Even though life doesn't look as though it's going to change, believes that God can respond and that something can happen divine in a moment like this. This is exciting because this is what, this is what Christmas is about isn't it? This is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about you think that you're not going to get this or that, and then all of a sudden you wake up. And, do you remember that as a kid? Do you remember that feeling where you've asked for some crazy stuff, and you thought, man, there is no way. I know my parents have a struggle this year. I know that this and that. Do we have any tiny kids in here? Any small children? Guys, I got to be real with you. Last week, I told Allie that Santa wasn't real. All of you know he's not real, right? Okay, that's great. No, but for real, one time I did that in youth ministry, and a 12-year-old girl said, what? Santa's not real? She lost it. Lost it. It's this understanding, though, that, look, Mama and Daddy work really hard to make Christmas happen for you, right? And do you remember the times when you wake up in the morning and you thought, oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to get it, but if I get it, it's so great. Think about this heart condition that they had as a married couple. Still praying, still believing, still expecting, but still going about their normal lives, trying to be faithful and still found to be blameless. What a great picture of the Advent and what we should try to emulate as we continue to expect as well. All right? So here's a couple things that I want to share with you this morning that I think are important for us as we anticipate a new season, as we anticipate a new year. I love New Year's for that reason. It's something that's definitive on the calendar where you can start over again, especially with diets. Can I get some amens with that? Okay, because after you've taken all of the cookies known to mankind and just shoved them in your mouth all throughout Christmas, you're like, I need to do something. All right? But this is exciting for us, a new year, a new opportunity. And uh, there's some things that we can observe from their life that we can grow from and apply to our lives today, okay? So this is the first. This is the time to delete our doubt, to rid ourselves of doubt. This is so important for us. We have to get rid of doubt. You know, as we continue to go through the mundane, right, of life, we go through the things that seem like they're always the same and all that. We need to make sure that we believe. And you see that, Zechariah. Verse 18, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is along in years. The first response was to doubt, wasn't it? To doubt, to just be like, there's no way. Have you seen this chassis? Things don't work like it used to. I can't even pick up a brick off the ground. You know what I mean? I'm weak sauce. I can't do any. You think I can have a child? How can I pick up a baby if I can't pick up a brick? You know what I'm saying by this? 
How can this happen? There's no way. I'm going to doubt this for sure. There's no way. That's, that's pretty common in Scripture, though, isn't it? You've seen other folks, Sarah and Abraham, doubted with, with uh, laughter. Gideon, he put out a fleece. Thomas, we know that guy, he needed to see nail-scarred hands. This is pretty common, isn't it? This is our human response to things that are so out of our control, to doubt. But this is an opportunity to rid ourselves, to remove doubt from our lives. It's a new season to have a new first response to things. I'm believing that. I tell you what, it's been a tough year. Anybody else experienced a tough year? It has been a tough year. But you know what I've chosen to do is to believe that God can do anything. And I am serious. I have to literally put on my big boy pants every day and get beyond doubt and fear and say, look, no, God, this is your thing. You have created this church. You have created my family. You have created me to steward it. So I am believing without, without a doubt that you are going to make this happen. The same way, right, for these guys here, Zachariah and Elizabeth, to rid themselves of the doubt, understanding that God still can. God still can. I'm encouraged by that. This is a time also to give to God. And I love this, to give to God. We look further in the story in verse 25. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Again, we don't understand what's that, what that's like. In a day like today, it's one thing to not be able to, to bear a child. It's another to not even want children. Some folks don't even want children. Like Anthony, he doesn't even want to come to a Christmas play. He doesn't like kids. <laughs> I had to bust them for you, Lori. I got your back on that one, all right? Everybody come to the Christmas play. But you think about, think about how they felt, specifically Elizabeth. Just disgraced. What's wrong with me? Why can't I conceive? Why can't I bear a child? What, what a struggle that would have been for them. And for her. But she had an opportunity in this moment, this understanding that she would have a child and that God would show favor despite. How does this happen? For Elizabeth, it started way before the blessing happened. In verse 6, we see this, that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. They did the right thing every day, regardless of how they would struggle with doubt and regardless of how they wanted to control their own circumstances. It's so important, so important to give to God in moments like this. Do when he gives them that he'll give back, right? This is big stuff. And what he'll do when he gives back to you, he'll erase things like disgrace. He'll erase those blemishes that we feel like everybody else sees before they see anything else. He'll give us what we need for her, a child in this moment. Because he is our provider and he is our healer. Third thing is this. This is the time of divine delivery. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. Matt and I were sharing some vision the other day with each other about the future and excited about things, about things that are so much bigger than us that, that if, if, I shouldn't say if, when these things happen, it will only be out of the divinity, the divine nature of God intervening on our behalf. Listen, this is what I want our church to be noted for. I want us to, to have that mark upon us that God does the divine, the things that can, cannot be uh, contributed or attributed to us, but only 
him. And we look at a story like Zachariah and Elizabeth, and we see God do a very, very divine thing in this moment. Listen to me, verse 57 through 66. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Look at this. This is the, 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 the climax. This is the exciting part of the story for these guys. Think about it. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. People around them were excited about this delivery. They were excited about what God had said to Zechariah. They were excited about what he was doing in their lives. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. You see, that was customary. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. Why did he need signs? Because of the doubt, it made him mute in that way. He was not able to speak for, for some time, right? His name is to be John. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. When God does the divine in your life, people come around you and say, what is up with this? What is, listen, I knew you about six months ago. I watched you as you walked around your life as you did the normal things in your everyday life, and you weren't, you weren't happy. Actually, you, you were what they say are, de, those are depressed. You were someone that struggled with this and that. How in the world did that change in your life? What, what kind of medicine are you on? What kind of counselor are you going to? Who have you been talking to about your life? Because something happened in you, and I want to know what it is. Can you talk to me about it? When God does the divine in your life, people will ask, why and how? And you will have an opportunity to share the goodness of your Savior and how he came into your life and changed absolutely everything. A divine move of God. And in those moments, like we see in the fourth perspective here, we're able to speak through the Spirit. We see that with Zechariah. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He spoke for God in these moments. And I think that's so exciting for us to understand. Listen, understand who you are in God's kingdom and what he can do through you. Do you realize that he wants to speak through you? In those moments when people come around you and say, how did this happen? Let me tell you about God's Spirit. Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. The same spirit, remember, because when, when John the Baptist was in his mama's belly, right? And then when Jesus was in his mama's belly and they got near each other, they leapt within the womb because the spirit of God was in John the Baptist even in that moment. And there was anticipation and excitement. The thing is that when the Holy Spirit is in you, he won't just stay inside of you. He'll speak through you as well in those moments. Think about what you can do for people during this Christmas season. A lot of us don't have a lot of finances. A lot of us don't have the ability to buy gifts for everybody. But what we can do is give someone a word from God that will absolutely change their lives forever. 
You've housed God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes into your life, he'll enable you to speak life to others as well. That's exciting. I don't know about you, but that's exciting for me. And when we do that, we're able to herald hope. We're going to have our team come up, and we're going to conclude this morning. And I want to just challenge you guys as we talk about this aspect of heralding hope. This is our our conclusion, our last point, if you will, that we're going to talk about this morning. What kind of hope do you have within you to give to others? Think about this. John the Baptist, this boy, this child that would become a man, was the one that was the voice in the desert crying out, preparing the way for the Lord, for the Savior, for Jesus. When is the last time that you really understood what he did for you? Think about it. Maybe it was just at the end of our worship set earlier. Maybe it was in that moment when you understood what he did for you. But I love in Romans 5, it talks about while yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He found us. He came to our rescue in that moment. I don't know about you guys, but that's an opportunity to get excited and tell somebody about it. This is a time, if any other time, throughout a given year, to talk about Jesus, to talk about what he's done for you, the change, the miracles, how he has divinely shown up in all the aspects of your life and shown himself faithful, improved himself and who he is, an opportunity to herald hope. We see in Zechariah, starting with verse 67, we see his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And I like this part. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Close your eyes with me for just a moment. I want to ask you the question. How much, how much, does the word who became flesh dwell inside of you? Do you feel like in this Christmas season that you're filled with hope? Do you feel like in this Christmas season that you have a sense of expectation that you didn't before? Do you feel like God has done something divine in your life and outside of, of you know, you and all that you can do, you feel that God has moved on your behalf? The question I have for you is, will you tell somebody about it? So the first response is this. Do you have that relationship with him? Maybe it started in our time after worship this morning. We talked about how we want to be found when he comes back. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? There's no way to the Father but through the Son, through Jesus. So we say, Jesus, I accept your work on the cross, that you died and rose again for me so that I can have life everlasting with you. I repent, which means I I, I turn from my life. I, I want the forgiveness that was afforded on the cross, and I turn to you. That's our first step. And the second step, then the second response we'll have this morning, is are you expecting God to do great things in this Christmas season through his son, Jesus? Is he gonna dwell richly within you? So do me a favor, first and foremost, do you need that, that relationship with him? If you do, just look at me for just a moment and then you can just close your eyes again. I just like to communicate that way, okay? Anybody else? And Okay, 
All right. Awesome. Best decision ever. It'll be the hardest, but the most worthwhile decision you'll ever make to follow him. Second is this. Do you really have that overwhelming expectation this season of who Jesus is and how he's going to dwell richly in your life? Are you believing for it? And are you ready to herald that hope to others? Just look at me real quick. Cool. All right. All right. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right. This morning, do me a favor, if you will, if you can stand with me. And we're going to respond also in a time of worship. One of, our, one of our favorite songs around here is, is uh, going to be sung in just a moment, and it's uh, Pieces, and you guys probably love this song too. Just wanna, I want to challenge you during this moment. And we talked about this before, let the peace of God, right, be the God of your pieces. You remember that? In this Christmas season, just all the pieces that we feel like are flying around us in our lives, all the things that are just out there moving around. Let's just, let's just allow God's peace to reign in those moments. Paramount, greater than anything else. Celebrate this relationship you have with him. Celebrate this connection that you have with him. This opportunity to worship and love him in this life. And then to be in heaven with him later. How exciting is that? But also celebrate this season of expectation. Allowing God to put all the pieces together. Pray for those divine moments that you'll have with others that you can share with them the hope that you have inside of you. Amen. Let's pray and then we're going to sing together. And if you would like for us to pray with you, we'd love for you to just, you could slide up during the song or after everybody moves out of the, the, the area, you can slide up after that and we'll pray with you. But I always encourage, pray with your neighbor, the person you came with. I love that. It's such a wonderful thing because you do life together every day, all right, or every other day at least. So pray with one another. That's key so that we can continue to, to grow in that way as well, all right? Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you, God, that we have reason to expect great things, that this Advent season we celebrate the coming of our Savior. And yeah, we know they wanted a a warring king, but they got a baby in a manger. And Lord, that's exactly what they needed and exactly what we need today. As a baby grows up, we see them go through the cycles of life. And I pray, God, that we can grow up in this moment with you and grow tremendously together, developed into the people that you desire for us to be in every way, shape, and form. Help us to be encouraged by the story of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Regardless of how many things pointed to no, you pointed to yes. And they had reason to believe and to have and become a people that had hope that they could share it with others and have a child who could point the way to the Savior. We thank you for it. So this morning we celebrate. Just leave the pieces of us at the altar. And we come back whole in you. We thank you. In Jesus' name.